The New York Giants wrapped up their disappointing 2023 season against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have for you some final thoughts on the year gone astray, a look at a critical week ahead for the franchise, and more coming your way next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Train. I'm P. Train, credentialed member of the New York Giants media for over 30 season. You can follow me on Twitter or X at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. Or if you're over on threads and Instagram, you can follow me there at Patty Traina, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A. And a shout out to my everydayers, my Blue Crew community members, my exclusive Blue Crew community members, any newcomers who are checking us out for the first time, welcome. And of course, everybody in between, you are all appreciated and loved by yours truly. Thank you for making us your first listener of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. We've got a lot to cover uh, on today's show. And normally the day after a football game, I talk about the game. I talk about, you know, what went right, what went wrong, observations, takeaways, and all that stuff. I'm really not going to focus too much on that because quite honestly, the game's outcome, you know, it does, doesn't really mean anything in the long, you know, in the grand scheme of things. What I do want to start off talking about on today's show is kind of some season, you know, thoughts that I had, you know, things that I, and thinking about where do things go so horribly wrong for this season? How could they have fallen off the rails? And, you know, I've touched on some of these things before, and I want to go into a little bit more depth in today's show, uh, at least for the first segment. Then um, in the second segment, I want to talk about the upcoming weeks, the next uh, week and a half or so going to be big ones for the Giants organization. So kind of give you a a feel for what to look for and what we're anticipating and whatnot. And then we'll just wrap things up with some final thoughts. And I also have a question from one of my everydayers that uh, I want to address on on this show. So again, thank you for tuning in. Let's go ahead and get started. So, you know, one of the big questions I get a lot when I do my mailbags over on Giants Country or, you know, in social media from from fans is, how could this season have gone so horribly wrong for the Giants? You know, such expectations were in place. Where did it all go wrong? Now, some people will point to the injuries. Some people will point to Daniel Jones regressing. Some people will point to the roster construction. A lot of people point to the offensive line and how horrible that's been. So I got to thinking and I sat down and I really, you know, tried to give this some thought. And I go back to the beginning of the year, the beginning of the season coming out of training camp. And one of the things I know I have mentioned that I wasn't too happy with and I didn't agree with, with how the Giants handled training camp. And I mentioned how, it just seemed like they were 
not as intense as they could have been. Um, the starters in the preseason games, they didn't really play except for like one series. And I just felt like, I, I don't want to say it was a country club, but I didn't feel like it was as intense as it could be. And at the time when I said that, I didn't really, you know, kind of reconcile why that might be. So when having thought about it, I go back and I look at, you know, the team's injury history and in trying to keep guys healthy for the regular season. And then you add to that the grueling schedule that the Giants had. Now, normally I say the schedule is what it is, but to have three games in 10 days, which the Giants had, I believe, right out of the shoot the first three weeks, that was just, you know, that was just not fair <laughs> from the NFL. For lack, lack of a better term, that was just a, a really difficult thing. So just, you know, and looking back over the decision that Brian Dable made in training camp and how he set things up the way he did and why maybe he he backed off playing the starters. I think it was to keep them fresh and keep them, you know, prepared for that three game stretch. Now we all know what happened. They came out against Dallas and they, you know, with the exception of maybe the opening drive when the offense actually looked like it was able to move the ball, the bottom fell out from underneath them. We all know about the injuries that popped up, you know, Andrew Thomas getting injured on that blocked field goal. You know, we saw Saquon Barkley get injured in week two against um, the the Cardinals. So the bottom kind of fell out on the Giants plan. And, you know, moving forward, and I know Brian Dable is going to, you know, if, if this question is put to him. And by the way, Dable and Shane are set, are due to speak to the media for the final time this year, um, this year being the 2023 season on Monday at 830. So if you want to follow along, um, Dable's going to say, you know, oh, you know, all things to reflect on. He's not going to give specifics. But in looking back, I think that was a really, really big thing. You know, were they really prepared? And I think he tried to prepare them as best as they could. But there was just no winning with that schedule. And, and you know, again, not so much the, the level of opponents, but the timing of the opponents, I think, was a big factor in the Giants' slow start. So, you know, the Giants... And the schedule makers, they got all excited because this team went 9-7-1 and and surprised everybody and went in the playoffs and won a playoff game the year before. So, hey, let's throw them on, you know, prime time. And they couldn't handle it, whether it was because they weren't ready, which I don't, you know, in retrospect, I don't think they were, or just because, you know, it was, they were road games, you know, back-to-back road games on the West Coast. The Giants season basically was kind of shot dead in the water before it had a chance to really take off. And then, you know, you throw in the injuries, you throw in, um, you know, the coaching decisions, the lack of development by certain players and everything, everything just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Now I know that sounds like an excuse, but you know, if we're looking at things objectively, that I think played, you know, a big role in the giant season demise. Now, um, Moving forward for the Giants, you know, they're going to have to make some decisions regarding, you know, the coaching staff, regarding the roster. Because if you go back and you look at these last few games at the end of the season, Brian Dable played them to win, which meant that even though the Giants were never realistically in the playoff hunt, um, there was no, okay, you know what? 
I'm going to sit my starters and I'm going to see what I've got in the young guys. Dable and the coaches set up practices to evaluate those young guys. And even though, you know, the media is not allowed in the practices, you know, the full practices during the season, I think that was the intention that they were trying to get at, you know, which young guys were earning more, more playing reps. You know, you look at a Jordan Riley, for example, who had such a good summer and then kind of disappeared for a little bit. And then towards the end there, you know, when, when, uh, after they traded Leonard Williams and a Sean Robinson got promoted to the starting lineup and Rakeem Nunes Rochez was dealing with injuries, Jordan Riley, DJ Davidson, they got some more reps and, you know, they earned the reps and the coaches got a chance to really, you know, take a look at them. Now, moving forward in the next segment, I'm going to talk about expectations for the week. But before we get there, one of the big things I think the Giants are going to have to figure out is with the injured players, What? how do you evaluate them? So, you know, you look at, for example, Evan Neal, who couldn't really get on the field and stay on the field. And when he was on the field, he wasn't very good. So how is the fairest way to evaluate him? Do you say, you know, the guy's just a, a, another whiff on a long history of whiffs, of draft picks? Do you go back and blame the injury? How do you evaluate them? And I think that's going to be a big question that needs to be asked of Shane and Dable. And spoiler alert, if I get a chance to ask, I'll ask it and find out how they're going to approach it. Because watching past film of Evan Neal, and I'm just using Evan Neal as an example here, watching past film of him, that's not going to tell you a whole lot because guys change. They either get better or they get worse. And I think it's a fair question to say, okay, these guys that miss chunks of the season due to injuries, how do you evaluate them? Because people change. They either get better or they get worse. So we'll see if I can get that question in. And if and if so, what does Stable and or Shane have to say about that? All right, coming up next. The Giants are going to have a very busy few weeks ahead of them, probably starting this week when there is it's expected there will be some coaching changes. There might be some other changes. What do we need to uh, tune in on, keep our antennas up for? I'll tell you right after this. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming your way on the Left on Giants podcast. But first, at the start of the new year, Every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? Well, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of the small businesses get a qualified candidate's candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors through a process that's intuitive, quick, and easy. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads in your search for the right candidates. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work to you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you all day, every day, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And on today's uh, and this segment, we are going to talk about the next couple of weeks, the next few weeks, really, for the Giants, because there's going to be a lot of activity coming up. And I'm just going to kind of give you a little primer, if you will, as to what we could potentially expect. Now, Monday, when we talked to Dable and Shane, they're not going to say off the top of their heads, you know, this coach is gone or this is guy's gone or whatever. They're going to say, to use Dable's words, those are discussions that are going to take place in the coming days and or weeks. You know, I've got that quote already written. But that being said, obviously, we've got to take a look at the coaching staff first. Coming off the type of season that the Giants have had. And yes, again, injuries were a part of it. But you look at some of the younger guys that didn't develop under certain coaches. Bobby Johnson, we're looking at you, you know. And you say to yourself, okay, who's going to survive? You know, let's start with the coordinators. You know, I've gone on record as saying, I don't think Mike Kafka is back. I think, you know, Kafka is going to go to the coaching rank, uh, the uh, college coaching ranks, see if he can get a head coaching job there because he does aspire to be a head coach. And I think that would be a good place for him to start. But, you know, I say Kafka is not going to be back because the offense really went backwards. Injuries or no injuries. The offense went backwards. Daniel Jones regressed. The offensive line, I think, finished second in league history with the most sacks allowed, which is just an unbelievable accomplishment. I mean, that's a historically bad accomplishment. Even though not all the sacks were on them, that's still nothing to you know brag about and put on your resume. So, you know, the defense, not as bad as the offense, but the defense also regressed. And, you know, there's those talks about Wink Martindale and and Brian Dable having friction. Uh, The special teams, inconsistent, you know, uh, to be fair, though, four different kickers, um, just a wild kind of setting. And I'm going to talk a little bit more in detail about that in just a second. But let me start with the offense. The offense, you know. Look, if the plan is to bring in a young quarterback and the Giants are going to be in a position here in the draft to get a young quarterback, to get somebody and start from scratch, put the kid on a rookie contract, develop him the way they envision him. Daniel Jones, and I know there's a lot of Daniel Jones supporters out there. At this point, we're still asking if this guy can be the guy moving forward. We're still wondering. We still have questions about him. He's already on his second contract and he's costing this team quite the pretty penny. That is not a good setup, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. It's nothing personal against Daniel Jones. He's, he, I think he's got talent. I think the, the young man needs a fresh start, quite frankly. Maybe he goes to another team and he finally re- realizes the potential that everybody you know, thought that he had coming out of Duke. But, you know, if you're Joe Shane and Brian Dable, 
you have a chance now to start over with a rookie, uh, a rookie quarterback that you put on a rookie deal. All right. Which will help by the way, your salary cap for at least three, four years um, of that contract. Cause you know, you have to carry Daniel Jones next year, unless you find a tr- uh, somebody to trade for him. That's the way you, you, you complete a rebuild. All right. You had the new GM, you had the new head coach. Normally you get a new quarterback in. That's how you do the rebuild. And I think that makes the most sense for the Giants. And because I think that's the way they're going to go, that means Dable's going to take a really hands-on approach to developing that quarterback, including the play calling. I would not be surprised if come next year, Dable calls the plays. I've said that I believe Shade Tierney will get promoted if Kafka does leave. Tierney would take over his offensive coordinator, but he would not be the play caller. Now, this is all contingent, obviously, on the defense. Defense, Dable doesn't really dabble with, all right? He, he'll check in with him, but pretty much he lets Wink Martindale run it the way he sees fit. I do think Martindale will be back next year. I believe he is under contract. I think he will be back. Whatever differences he and Dable have, sit down at the table, guys. Hash it out like adults. You know, whatever animosity might exist between the two of you, hash it out. You're grown men. There's no reason why, you know, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to go out drinking every night or anything like that. But just hash it out and and just, you know, figure out how to work together and, you know, make each other better. So I do think Martindale will be back. I would be very surprised if he's not. T-Mac, I, I've said before that, you know, I could go either way with him. I think he's back next year. And I know a lot of you don't want to hear that. But, you know, you look at the fact that he had four different kickers, place kickers, that is. Special teams, though, as inconsistent as it was, it wasn't as bad as it had been in previous years. And I think a big reason for that is, is that the team really didn't have to dip into the special teams, the core guys, the way they have had to do in the past due to the injuries. So, for example, like last year, they had to pull Julian Love, who was a core special teamer, off of, of special teams because of injuries. They had to pull Nick McLeod, who this year was a core special teamer, off of special teams because of injuries on defense. So special teams in some areas was a little bit better. In some areas, it wasn't. I think T-Max survives. He's under contract for one more year. I think he gets another year. So really, of the coordinators, I think the one to keep an eye on is Kaka. Position coaches, I think we can all agree that a change needs to be made at offensive line. We've talked about this before. Bobby Johnson, you know, the fact that this young talent that he had wasn't developed wasn't ready to step in when some of these other guys were getting hurt or struggling. That's a damning statement. And that's really all I need that, you know, if I'm making the decision, I justify telling Bobby Johnson, you know, thank you for your, for your time and what you contributed, but we're going in a different direction. So those are really the things to keep an eye on over the next few days. Now, the Giants also lost running backs coach, Jeff Nixon, who is now the offensive coordinator up at Syracuse University. Craig Fitzgerald, the strength and conditioning coach, 
who's another guy a lot of you have asked me about. He has gone down to Florida to head up that program. So that's obviously uh, something that they're going to have to fill, a role they'll have to fill. Will there be other assistant coaches that are replaced? There could be. You know, does um, does the tight ends coach, coach Andy Bischoff survive? Because I thought Daniel Bellinger took a step back with his blocking. You know, uh, what about the receivers coach, Mike Rowe? Does he survive? Because, you know, you look at Jalen Hyatt, and why wasn't Jalen Hyatt more of a presence in the offense? Was it because of the kid just not grasping the playbook? Or just, you know, what was going on there? So there are guy, other position coaches that you can obviously keep an eye on and see if they're back. But really, I think the most the, the most significant change is going to be coordinator, offensive coordinator, and offensive line. Those are the two spots that I think is on everybody's radar. I do think Wink's back. I think T-Max survives. But we'll see. I don't think any decisions will be made on Monday. We probably won't find out until like later in the week, if that's soon. Because here's the other thing, folks. Regarding the position assistance, you may not want those guys that you are going to get rid of to be doing the postseason evaluations and grading of the roster. You probably want to get new guys in as quickly as possible, especially with the college all-star games coming up. You want to be able to get those new people in here, settled, let them evaluate the players on the roster from 2023 and go from there. So I think that's why we're going to see some changes to the coaching staff as early as this coming week. And of course, we'll bring you all that detail. No, no, nothing to fear. I'll have alerts um, if they happen or as they happen. So I'll definitely have you all caught up on that stuff. Coming up next, some final thoughts on this Monday edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. Please stay with us. Hey, Giant fans, we have more coming your way on the Locked On Giants podcast in just a moment. But first, the NFL regular season has wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So that's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and score big this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Traina, P-Train. And just because the Giants season is over, does not mean that the Locked on Giants podcast is over for the year. I had that question actually come in from one of my Blue Crew community members. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we will continue to bring you shows five days a week. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot. I've got all kinds of topics for you. I've got a salary cap show planned, um, roster evals, all kinds of stuff. So I hope you will keep tuning in. And as I mentioned um Last week, I think it was on my Friday show, if there is a particular topic that you would like me to cover, whether it be on a, as a whole show or as a segment, let me know. I'm here to basically serve you guys and what you want to know. Um, we'll also have guests, obviously. I will bring on guests 
uh, onto the program. So all the good stuff that you have come to expect from the Lothan Giants podcast will continue. All right. Some final thoughts before we call it a show for today. I've got to get this one off my chest because I saw this pop up on social media. There's a lot of people who had a problem with the Giants honoring Sterling Shepard pregame. Now, for those of you who missed it, Sterling Shepard was introduced with the starters. He was the last guy introduced so that he could basically run out of the tunnel and experience that joy, that, that excitement that guys get. When they run, when they're introduced to a, a, a standing ovation, and you know, just the whole spiel, if you will. I don't understand why people are upset about that. Now, some of the arguments I've seen is, well, you know, he never won a championship. He wasn't a Pro Bowler. He was never MVP. He was never a thousand yard receiver. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. Folks, forget all that. All that. Sterling Shepard was the lo- the longest tenured Giant. Number one, a guy who was widely respected and loved by his teammates throughout the years, his coaches, regardless of the staff, and the front office. All right. He might not have been voted a captain, but he was the closest thing they had to a captain without wearing the C on his chest. And some of you are like, well, he's also the guy who was part of the boat picture. Okay. He was young and and made a bad decision. But he matured and he grew up from that. Let's give the guys some credit. And how about the fact that Sterling Shepard gets an opportunity to, to leave this game? And I have a feeling he will retire and he will be able to retire as a giant, which I'm sure he is what he wanted. But he gets to leave the game standing up and being on the active roster instead of being on IR. What more could you ask for in this situation? Yeah, Michael Strahan type of exit, you know, where you walk right off into the sunset hoisting the Lombardi trophy would have been great. Just wasn't meant to be. So the Giants are doing the next best thing. And I, for one, have no problem with it. I don't understand why anybody would. Some of you have just acted like it's going to cost you extra money to watch it. And it doesn't. So, you know, let's give Sterling his due. All right. Now, the last thing I want to do is I want to address a question they came in from one of my everydayers, Matthew C., who asked me, would John Mara potentially block Joe Shane from trading up in the draft to get a quarterback, given that he, quote unquote, is a meddler? And the fact that Mara seems to like Daniel Jones because he's an Eli Manning clone. Matthew, you could not be further off with those assessments. Number one, John Mara is not going to block. Joe Shane and Brian Deeble from doing anything unless, and this is important, unless the players in question are bad seeds. So let me just, you know, give you an example of why I say that John Mara isn't quite the meddler that you think he is. There have been times in the past, specifically with Dave Gettleman and some of the draft picks he's made, where John Mara has questioned him and said, Dave, are you sure about this guy? Are you sure about his character? Are you sure he's going to thrive in this locker room? But did John Mara block it? No. They landed with DeAndre Baker, who, if you remember correctly, um, came with some questions about his work ethic. And of course, you know, we all know how that story kind of evolved. 
Kadarius Tony was another one where, you know, there were some questions, I think, about him and whether he'd be a fit. So, no, John Mara doesn't meddle and doesn't, you know, really put his foot down as much as you think he does. If the guy is a bad seed, and I'm talking about a really bad seed, then yes, as the employer, he has a right to do that. But John basically has let Joe Shane and Brian Dable take control of the franchise and do what's best for the franchise. Because look, if you're going to hire somebody to run your business and then you're going to micromanage them, you might as well run it yourself. Why even waste the money to hire these guys? So I know it looks like John maybe meddled or suggested, hey, give Daniel Jones another chance. But think about it, Matthew. At the time, given the circumstances, they didn't pick up Daniel Jones's option year because they wanted to see what they had in him. Then they had that great year and they were drafting so low in the draft order that they weren't going to get a quarterback. So what other choice did they have than to re-sign Daniel Jones? And in re-signing him, they had to give him market value, low end of the market value. Because again, if you look at how the contract is set up, it is not really a contract that I think is going to hurt them for the long term. This year, yes, because of the guaranteed money, but they can get out of it. So, you know, that's just the way it is. And I know there's going to be people out there who are going to call me a Maris shill. You're on Maris payroll, to which I'm going to say, think what you want. All right. I know the truth. I'm trying to be fair to both sides. I'm trying to see things from both sides. All right. I was not a fan of the medium Pepsi promotion. All right. A few years ago, I thought that was a slap in the face to a lot of the fans. So, look, my job here is to be critical but to be fair. And in this case, folks, John Mara is not going to interfere with Brian Dable and Joe Shane and how they want to build this roster. Unless there is a guy who is a bad seed, a guy with a, a history of, you know, infractions against the law or something like that. So please take that out of your mind. All right. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for this edition of the Lockdown Giants podcast. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day, or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Coming up on the Lockdown Giants podcast, and I'll probably be, uh, I'll probably have the show out for you on Monday afternoon, but I'll have takeaways from the Brian Dable and Joe Shane final presser of the 2023 season. So I'll get that done for you as quickly as I can. And then we will just keep on rolling out the shows for you as we work our way through the off season, a long, cold off season. So thank you for tuning in and I will see you tomorrow.